the concepts as presented are not a telling you of anything. They're not a telling of the truth. They're not an attempt to convince you or persuade you or influence you. There's simply an opportunity to consider some things that you may not think you know. And the introduction to thinking of things you know is an active practice in terms of exercising consideration, which is a thoughtful contemplation and or awakened meditation of what's happening. What is going on in the world? What is happening around me? What am I doing that's affecting how I'm seeing what I think is happening? Rather than everything that's happening is happening to me, and I am just a bystander to everything. This is about looking from a central point of view, the point of view that we each have, at how we are interacting with what we're seeing, and what we're doing with what we're seeing and how thinking impacts what we see and what we end up thinking about what we see and how it sets us off in different courses that are either functional or dysfunctional. And those courses are choices, choices we are welcome to make at any given moment or time. We are free to choose. It's one thing we can do is choose to be right, we can choose to be wrong, and we can choose to be wrong and think we're right, and we can choose to be right and think we're wrong. So if we're capable of choosing the opposite of what we're doing and thinking, we're certainly clearly conscious about the ability to choose the inner turmoil that we create. And we don't need any more than... There is any need to think that what's right is wrong. We don't need to continue to maintain those conditions or those ideas. And yet to the fear that's created, it almost feels imperative that they be maintained because it suggests fear would suggest the creation of fear suggested in the creation of those things appears to say as though it's talking to us, as though it has something to say on its own that we're not making of it. But it appears to say, if you let me go, you're really going to be fucked. You've got something to fear if you let fear go. And that would be the basis of how lies work. <clears throat> the thing we do we think are protecting us are the thing we're afraid of. The thing we do that we think we're defending are the things that are actually offensive to us. And the thing we do that we think we're trying to escape is simply the thing we continue to perpetuate. And if we perpetuate it and try to escape from it, it's going with us no matter where we go and however we think. It's just going to be maintained. And that's what obsession is. The mental obsession is the... Mental obsession is actually redundancy in terms. But so too is the redundancy of thinking about thinking. And so it's almost like an echo chamber that we create hearing our own voice over and over and over and over and over again, acting as though it's coming from a self that's somewhat distinct and other than something we're creating, and end up thinking that talking to ourself is actually talking to a self that exists and is real. Because if we can think a lie is real, which is the basis of what a lie is, then clearly this conversation in our head is happening with voices that are coming from ideas that think they are real enough to actually exist and have a voice of their own and actually have something to say. 
So I would suggest that we don't have a voice in our head for having a discussion and we're talking to ourselves. Every self we think we're talking to represents an idea that is self-generated by the thoughts that we're maintaining and gives us the impression, again, that we are actually being spoken to by something that's out of our control rather than something we're creating. So when I am talking to myself, I'm speaking to ego. I'm speaking to an imagined self that's created in thought like an imaginary friend as a kid. Uh, most kids are encouraged to do that. It becomes a little discouraging 30 and 40 and 50 years later where you start fighting with that same voice and make believe someday you can resolve it, forgetting that it's just made up. It's just a concept of imagination. It's a premise that somehow my thoughts can become true and real because they feel true and real because I heard over them and that pain now becomes the dictator of truth and reality, telling me exactly what I think I know and what I think I don't know and all those other things I imagine it to be saying when, in fact, these are just twisted voices that I've concocted based on ideas that aren't true. So these considerations and concepts are basically just opportunities to look and wear and see if by considering these things, even in the vaguest sense, Without understanding it, and this isn't about understanding, if you know what you know, then you don't need to be told anything to know that. And yet if you can engage in a conversation that helps you, like somebody who's struggling swimming, if somebody can say, look, stop fighting so hard. Your fighting is causing you to lose the potential you have to buoy yourself by moving through the water in a way that uses the water in your favor rather than against you. And sometimes those concepts are lost in somebody who's afraid. Lifeguards carry those orange buoys on ropes so that they can throw it to people who are drowning. Because if they get near them, that person will drown them in the name of thinking they're saving themselves. And that's a very good description of what we do in diseased thinking, thinking that is unhealthy, thinking that undermines our capacity for our meta metabolic and immune system, all of our different systems in our body to function properly because the anxiety and stress undermines their capacity to actually function properly and starts to diminish the ability because of the destabilization we cause and the anxiety we create and the chemical cocktails we release that are actually responding to an emergency that's completely self-created by a self that doesn't even exist, but one we continue to maintain thinking our life depends on it, when in fact life does not depend on an ego. Life doesn't depend on anything. Life is life. Life is bountiful. Life is the source of all possibilities. Life is the possibility that we even exist. So life certainly doesn't depend on us maintaining thoughts that we're desperate over. And the feelings that we think letting them go means we're dying is to give credit to something that's completely undue. Because something that doesn't live can't die. And if it's simply made up in thought, then the imagination that it's real and true is what we're struggling with. So it's starting to just put some of this, just let it ro roll, just let it be, let it, let it sit, let it, let it see. In considering it without doubting it immediately or fighting it, and if you fight it and doubt it, notice how quick those fights and doubts step in almost to try and save themselves and the ideas you have that you make believe are who you are. And you might start getting a glimpse quicker, sooner than later, 
as to the self you think you are as being something born of thought and not actually who you are. If you could observe those things happening and start seeing them as a reactive nature to fear based in thoughts that have no basis, that are thought to be true and real, it's very easy to start saying, oh, if I can see it, I can't be it. If you can have something, you can't be that thing. You can have bad behavior. You can have a brain. You can have a body. You can think, but it doesn't make you a body or a brain or thinking. It makes it something you're responsible for. Like having a car, it doesn't turn you into a car when you get into it. And if you think getting into a car is fully utilizing a car, then not turning it on and not doing anything else in relation to how it's designed to function would cause that car to be useless. And you sitting in it would be meaningless other than trying to stay out of the rain or looking like you had something that you don't have. And if you think of ego, that's very much what ego is. Undue concern over appearance. So it's defined as self-consciousness. Why would a self that's actually conscious be reduced to an undue concern over how it appears if the appearance of it had any substance at all? And the fact is it does not. There is no substance to ego. There is no substance to lies. There is no substance to addiction that is not given them in thought. So try these on. Like shoes, if you wear them, you know how they fit. You may initially think they do, but you know better once you wear them. And consideration isn't a function of trying to decide or conclude or remedy things. It's a matter of just considering, have being open. That's contemplation. It's a capacity we have to imagine things. And if things are true and real, you will not need to think of them to begin to recognize that you have a knowing sense that something fits, but you don't even have to know what the words are to use to agree what it is because you recognize what it is is what it is, and it simply settles in and becomes a part of your experience, which does not seem exceptional because if it's true and it's all we've ever known, it's nothing new. We're finally just expressing it through thought. And maybe even more primary, we're simply introducing it to thought so thought can begin to thoughtfully express that true knowing nature that exceeds all of the thinking we've ever done because it's an absolute state of being.